Abraham Lincoln warned that the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. Would you like to know what's being taught in today's classrooms? Welcome to Say What? with attorney Mark Schneider and Pastor George Roska Jr. They'll explore the issues facing children, parents, and society as a result of the public schools and the forces behind them. Say What? is the radio program of Protect Our Kids, which seeks to inform and equip concerned citizens about the looming crisis in American education. So listen in as your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Roska Jr., unpack the issues and organizations affecting our children. And now here's your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Roska Jr. Hello everyone, I'm George Roska. And I'm Mark Schneider. And we want to welcome you to episode 22 of Say What, where we talk about the threats to our children in the public school system, including how the trifecta within the education ecosystem is working against our children's interests. And parental rights. That's right, George. You know, every citizen needs to understand what comprises the trifecta of the education ecosystem in the U.S., which is government, unions, and nonprofits. In the last couple of weeks, uh, the first week we talked about government. Uh, last week we talked about the unions. Today we're going to talk about the role of nonprofits and their incredible influence in the public education system. It's absolutely astounding, and one of the things that I'm hoping that our listeners are connecting the dots on is how connected and interwoven these organizations are um, in terms of even people moving from one place to another as their place of employment including strategic plans and values that align just oh so closely together. Um, So that tells me that these organizations are talking to each other. Uh, They are conspiring. Uh, I would use the word conspiring because of their Marxist nature. Um, And they are really trying to do what we've talked about, Mark, and you've brought up um, you know, Antonio Gramsci and mm-hmm. Herbert Hughes, yep. a long march through the institutions. That's right, the Frankfurt School, uh, which came from Germany to Columbia University. It went into higher education, but now it's seeping down into K through 12 curriculums. And there are some big nonprofit players uh, that contribute to this woke ideology that we're seeing rampant now in our school system. And probably the first on the list and the one that's been around uh, perhaps the longest is a name that everybody will recognize because they are so prominent uh, in education circles. And, of course, that we're talking about Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood is public enemy number one or parents is enemy number one. Um, they are not just here in America. They are in over 140 countries in the world They have an international Planned Parenthood Federation that then, um, you know, has their strategic plan that then is worked in through all of the other um, country affiliates. Here in America, uh, there are tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars that they get from uh, public taxpayer dollars. Um, And even though the Trump administration had done a great job of reversing some of that. Um, the Biden administration obviously is going right back to the status quo. Um, but one of the things that, that I learned early on is that Planned Parenthood is not just an abortion clinic. Planned Parenthood 
is the largest sex educator in the world. And they have been for a long time. In fact, George, as you know, there's an international Planned Parenthood organization that has been at the forefront of working with government agencies, other NGOs, uh, uh, government entities to pursue and promote this radical sex ed. I mean, here in California, we've seen it in the form of comprehensive sexuality education, Assembly Bill 329. But they're involved with states across the country doing the same thing, aren't they? Everywhere, everywhere. In fact, they even develop their own curricula. And again, we, we mentioned this trifecta, government, unions, and nonprofits. Planned Parenthood as a nonprofit is getting monies from the government through various uh, agencies that are providing grants. And so now what they end up doing is they develop their own CSE curriculum, and then they offer it for free to local school districts. Why? Because they've already gotten paid by our taxpayer dollars on the other side. And what do local school districts that are just cash strapped like they they you know because most local school districts are losing membership with kids coming out uh, their budgets are very tight and so when a nonprofit comes in and says hey we'll help you we'll give you something for free which wasn't really free because we've already paid for it once uh, school districts are just salivating and saying yes please give me this yes never look a gift horse in the mouth and just to remind our our audience, uh, this is an organization that was started by Margaret Sanger, who was a famous eugenicist that believed in culling certain segments of society, right, of racial inf- inferior members. So this has a very sordid background, and George, they're, they're still in the game. They, they are effectively creating a continual stream of clients, for their organization. Yep, I completely agree. And, and I know we've spent a lot of time in, in other podcasts talking about Planned Parenthood, but I wanted to highlight them first and foremost because they are parents' enemy number one. But then there are plenty of other big ones. There's plenty of other big ones. And this is a name that uh, most viewers probably uh, are not aware of. But um, in education circles, they are extremely prominent. And that's the Human Rights Campaign, or HRC. And it sounds so positive. Who doesn't want to support the Human Rights Campaign? And so this language of positivity uh, is cloaked. Um, you know, behind it with, you know, the typical, you know, wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. And they were established in 1980. They are really the propaganda arm of the LGBTQ movement in America. Uh, they claim over 3 million members. And on their website, they basically state that we have a member in every zip code in America. Um, and so when they have a cause and they hit the send button on their email, it goes to these three million members who, for people who become a member of this organization, first of all, they need to know what it is. So they need to educate themselves a little bit, right? And then they must be somewhat passionate on this topic. So they have three million very active members right. who then the Human Rights Campaign uses to 
call up local, state, or, or you know, national, federal uh, legislatures, uh, right, when you want to let the phone ring off the hook, basically, right, uh, to put pressure on a representative. Um, and their revenue is almost $50 million. This is a nonprofit. Nonprofit, $50 million every, every year. Every year. And so, George, in 2020, uh, I guess they developed what they called their blueprint, Blue, Blueprint 2020, in which they gave the Biden administration a couple of key actions, right? They gave them, I think, over 70 actions. 70 actions. But but there's two in particular yes. that we have noticed, noticed here. And, and the first one is – Ensure consistent administrative implementation of Bostock versus Clayton County across all agencies enforcing civil rights statutes and provision. And now remember what we spoke about week one under government, right? What ended up happening? The Biden administration in June 2021 in their Office of Civil Rights, part of the Education Department, did just this. Yes. Now, just to remind our listeners, the Bostock w- case was the, the majority opinion was written by Neil Gorsuch, who is ostensibly a conservative justice, where he redefined the meaning of the word sex in our civil rights code. Now, initially in the decision, that was only to apply to employment uh, practices. But now we can see it's being carried out into other realms of activity, including education. And, and Mark, I don't know if this happened to you, but obviously the 2020 election was very heated, right? And so I had many conversations with people across the aisle. And some of the things that I told them that were my biggest concerns were things like this. Yes. That I think most people on both sides of the aisle can agree on that if you're a biological male, you're a male. You can't just magically become a female. Um, And so I would always remind them, I said, if Biden gets in office, this will happen. And and they would ask me, how do you know? Well, I said, the Human Rights Campaign has a blueprint 2020. This is one of their platforms. And and guess what they're going to do? They're going to pressure the Biden administration because the Biden administration is going to put people in the office of the Department of Education that is pro their stance. And people were just not even aware that this is how stuff works. And so here you see the nonprofit realm having such a huge impact on actual policy at the federal level. And another policy that they're promoting is to ensure non-discrimination policies and science-based curricula are not undermined by religious exemptions to accreditation standards. So here's what this means, and I want to unpack this because this is off the hook crazy. Uh, Last week when we talked about the unions, we spoke about the unions having a past a business item to establish a constitutional amendment for students' rights. Yes. That would basically only include public education. Here is the human rights campaign now pushing from the nonprofit side to basically say any religious education entity out there, if they do not prescribe to our orthodoxy of uh, SOGI, sexual orientation, gender identity, worldview, they will not be accredited. And so then what's going to happen to religious private education in America? It's going to disappear. 
And in these kinds of measures, particularly when they're supported by federal government, uh, the unions, like we talked about last week, and now these these uh, third party NGO organizations, all working together, they very subtly create a bulwark of regulations and laws and public opinion to attack our most sacred liberties and freedoms, including, George, the First Amendment, which protects the exercise of religious. This was the first among equals in our Bill of Rights. And yet these kinds of measures and organizations are slowly whittling away those freedoms. Yeah, and the human rights campaign last week, we mentioned about their, uh, how they work together with the unions and with the government. Uh, in 2019, they published here in California a LGBTQ youth report, and every union and association um, known in the state of California was part of that. Yeah. Their logos were, were plastered on the second and third pages. Now, the human rights campaign is also known for something else, which you and I are very familiar with, and some of our listeners may be as well. And these are called welcoming school programs. What are those, George? Remind us of what those are. These are the nice, beautiful yellow school bus with a rainbow on it, and it's an anti-bullying program. If you go to your schools, you're going to see these stickers on doors and windows uh, or within the classroom somewhere, uh, and that is a hint. It tells you that the human rights campaign is alive and active on your school campus. Right. And through anti-bullying, they come in with the whole LGBTQ agenda, which is basically this kind of fits under the umbrella of the social-emotional learning. And so what's happening is parents think that they've opted out of LGBTQ CSE instruction in their health class, but in fact, this permeates all of the other topics um, you know, that they're being taught. And this is one of them. The anti-bullying program that the Human Rights Campaign has developed uh, is by far, uh, I think, has infiltrated well over half the schools in America. And these welcoming programs are very good at using terminology as Trojan horses to introduce what is a deeper agenda. Who isn't for anti-bullying measures? Who doesn't want to protect their children from, from bullying on campus? So it, it's a very pointed program to introduce something that uh, most parents don't want to have anything to do with. Yep. But that's what's happening. Um, but HRC is also teamed with other organizations, right? They've teamed up with Gelson, and we'll talk about them you know, in, in a few minutes here. Um, but in 2020, because all the graduations were canceled, and so they wanted to make sure that grads got an experience, mm-hmm. uh, they put on a virtual experience for grads, which included Bob the Drag Queen. And... And then beyond that, in 2018, they actually sent out a pamphlet called Coming Home to Evangelicalism and to Self, where this entire pamphlet is about pro-LGBTQ churches and pastors who have um, basically their testimonials of how they got liberated once they accepted and adopted this ideology. Thank you, Human Rights Campaign. 
So, George, that's unfortunately not the only big third-party organization that's promoting um, woke ideology in our public school system. What about the ACLU? The American Communist Lawyers Union. That's what I call them. They're called the American Civil Liberties Union. Uh, But they are really the legal arm of this entire woke movement uh, and the Marxist movement in America. Uh, They are a 101-year-old organization. They boast four-plus million active members or activists. And they have a massive budget. And they have a massive budget of $139 million in, in revenue just this past year. And what they do is they'll step in and they'll write laws on behalf of, um, you know, the legislature. So, for example, in California, AB 329 was written for Dr. Shirley Weber by the ACLU. And, in fact, in 2019, I went to the state capitol and I met with Dr. Shirley Weber's office. Uh, she conveniently did not want to attend that meeting, so she had her chief of staff attend that meeting. And the chief of staff brought in their legal expert from their team to discuss AB 329. And when this legal expert introduced themselves, they said, Hi, I am so-and-so, and I am part of the ACLU. In fact, they regularly show up at school board meetings to bludgeon them into submission. And one of the laws that they usually tout when parents get involved and want to uh, push back on the agendas being uh, uh, pushed out in their public schools, they will throw out the famous Fields versus Palmdale School District case of 2005, uh, which is a Ninth Circuit case. It's still good law. Uh, which said that a parent's rights to control the upbringing of their school children ends at the school door. So uh, this is something that the ACLU makes prominent use of in school board meetings. They're everywhere. Yep. And just like the human rights campaign teamed up with Gelson uh, on celebrating high school grads with drag queens, the ACLU has teamed up with Gelson and on their website, they show how to legally start a GSA club on campus or your gender and sexuality alliance clubs. And Gelson is a pretty large organization themselves, right? They have an annual revenue of $13 million. They were founded in 1990 by Kevin Jennings, who later was appointed by the Obama administration to run for the Office of Safe and Drug-Free Zones in the U.S. Department of Education. George, here's that revolving door again. Yep. Over and over, we see members from these nonprofits and the unions uh, being in bed with each other, uh, either uh, appointing each other to different positions, uh, giving even themselves awards, because each one of these organizations has their galas at the end of the year. And yeah. They have all of these, you know, man or woman of the year awards or person of the year awards, whatever they want to call them. Um, but the big thing with Gelson is that they have been pushing for what was initially the gay-straight alliance club. Yeah. And I remember talking to uh, people in my city in, in Orange. Um, they, you know, understand the big deal that took place in the late 90s when this GSA club wanted to be formed. Um, and so they are now in just about every high school 
in America. This is their main product. This is their main product. And then what they also do is they've established these national day of silence. And it's basically where you stand in solidarity with LGBTQ people who have been oppressed. The, again, the whole oppressed, oppressor mentality uh, and worldview comes into play, which is strictly uh, Marxism. Here's the thing that's important for particularly parents of children in the public school system to understand, because we often hear when we talk about particular curriculums, whether it's critical race theory or comprehensive sex ed, parents will say, well, I don't see any evidence of that uh, in this the school that my child goes to. I haven't seen any curricular examples that, that teach this particular ideology. But what they need to understand is that these things, George, form an orthodoxy, which is permeates the whole cam- the school campus. So whether or not your child is getting this this uh, ideology in a particular teaching curriculum, they they may not be. But it's permeated the campus. And this is example A, these gay-straight alliance clubs. They're everywhere. So you can walk down the, the, the hallways and you'll see posters celebrating these things, bulletin boards telling kids where they can go to be a part of these organizations. And these organizations are regularly on school campuses. Yep. In fact, they are probably one of the largest uh, conductors of a local and national school climate surveys. Um, and they utilize their, their GSA network uh, to do that. Um, and they have a lot of resources online on books mm. that they promote from elementary school to middle school to high school. Wow. And so, George, last but not least on, I, I guess, our list of the major third-party uh, uh, non-government organizations, which highly influence what's going on in public education, is, of course, SICUS, Sexuality, Information, and Education Council of the United States, um, that, aside from that very official-sounding name, is not a government organization. It is not. It's very pompous and officially, you know, sounding, but they are not. Uh, you know, they are the top organization in the United States that pushes policy and advocacy uh, when it comes to sex education. And they have uh, a bi-yearly report that comes out. It's a mid-year report and an end-year report where they track legislation at the state level uh, and they watch it closely like a hawk. And then they work together with Planned Parenthood, the ACLU, the Human Rights Campaign, and Gelson, and, and those other organizations will come in and they'll act like, you know, the Marines or the Navy or this or that. Uh, it, it's a tactical strategy of warfare here uh, that's happening at the societal level. But one of the things that I, I uncovered in their media reports is they have a section on opt-out clauses. They are very concerned about opt-out clauses within laws. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. You've already gotten CSE passed in so many states why are you concerned about opt-out clauses? And here it comes right back to, remember the union's push for a constitutional amendment, the nonprofit's push for a, um, you know, the human rights campaign for religious, you know, accreditation uh, yes. know, uh, in, in schools. 
they are saying that parents are a barrier to a child's right to be educated by an expert in CSE. Well, if anybody wants to know what they're really about, all they need to do is go to the CECAS website and they'll find their byline, which is CECAS, Sex Ed for Social Change. It's not to educate students about uh, human reproduction or protecting themselves against uh, sexually transmitted diseases. They state it. They're not even trying to hide it. We're about promoting social change. And that social change includes not just sexual practices, but now critical race theory, dismantling white supremacy, the whole CRT bandwagon. Yeah. And the last thing I'll mention about them, Mark, is parents, you need to understand that this organization leads – the framework for CSC nationally, in fact, they call it the National Sexuality Education Standards, which they've just published revision number two of it. So it's the latest and greatest of what's on their minds and what you can see in that document. Well, hopefully we've given you a lot of information to think about. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today, but we look forward to being with you next week on Say What? Take care. You've been listening to Say What? The radio ministry of Protect Our Kids, where they seek to inform and equip concerned citizens about the crisis in American public education and the forces working against our children. Join us at this same time every Saturday as attorney Mark Schneider and Pastor George Roska Jr. unpack the issues so that we can better safeguard our nation's children. For more information about this program or Protect Our Kids, email the show at info at protectourkidsnow.org. That's info at protectourkidsnow.org. And join Mark and George right here next week at this same time for another episode of Say What?